Let us pray a pro-life rosary and reflect upon the fact that every human being is sacred and valuable. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Ave Maria är bönen som abortmotståndarna ofta ber på trottoaren utanför abortklinikerna i USA i hopp om att kvinnorna som är på väg in ska vända om. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. It's not too late. You are allowed to cancel your appointment and you are allowed to change your mind. Those three things are the most important things you could say because it combats the three lies Planned Parenthood tells these women. En så kallad pro-life rosary, en ja till livet bön, eftersom de menar att abort är detsamma som mord. Here at the abortion mill, you really cannot pray without understanding that babies are being slaughtered here, uh, babies are being dismembered here. And so to pray to end abortion, I really think you need to come and experience what's going on, be at the scene of the crime, so to speak. Abortkampen i USA har länge varit livlig och högljudd. Men sen högsta domstolen rev upp den grundlagsskyddade rätten till abort i juni i år har kampen intensifierats. I förra avsnittet kunde vi höra Morgan Nasso som just öppnat en ny klinik för sena aborter i Maryland och som satt upp ett avancerat säkerhetssystem för att skydda klinikens personal och patienter från extremistiska abortmotståndare. We are already being targeted by anti-abortion extremists who one of their methods for terrorizing us is to enter our clinic, try and force us to not see patients, try and scare and intimidate our staff. Um, and then there's been several abortion providers who've been murdered by um, anti-abortion extremists over the years. So we try everything to keep our patients safe and our staff safe. Några dagar efter att jag träffat Morgan Nasso åker jag till ett av Washingtons mer exklusiva områden, Chevy Chase. Här i närheten bor flera av domarna i högsta domstolen, bland andra Brett Kavanaugh som var en av de konservativa domare som rev upp aborträtten i somras. Här bor också Mary, som hon vill att jag kallar henne, som är engagerad i pro-life-rörelsen och som är en av alla de som brukar stå utanför abortklinikerna och be böner för kvinnorna som är på väg in. Well, um, you know... If I have the choice, yeah, yeah, yeah. Course, I would yeah. love to be like Mary. I'm co-chosen. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That's the funny thing is, um, so um, if you could I, just I... say Mary. Hon vill inte att vi säger hennes riktiga namn, utan ber att vi ska kalla henne för något annat, och väljer till slut namnet Mary. We could sit in the sun. Yes, let's sit in the sun a little bit. Ja. Um, or kind of half sun. Vi slår oss ner på en bänk i en liten park. Och Mary berättar att hon förutom att gå i den årliga March for Life så har hon deltagit i kanske upp till 20 protester utanför abortkliniker. I've only experienced people praying quietly or you know praying the rosary out loud or Because whatever. you have been to those kind of yeah. protests sometimes outside yeah. the clinic. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many times? Oh gosh, well... Um, Not that many. I mean, there there was a time um, 
like four or five years ago when I would go um, and you know walk along the sidewalk in front of the third trimester abortion um, providers office and I was walking along the sidewalk but I probably did that I don't know 10 or 20 times and um, didn't ever talk to anybody nobody engaged people would come by and beep you know their approval or their support um, but that was just people praying along the sidewalk and what were you hoping uh would be the effect of this? Um, just a visibility about here's what's going on in this building that's completely legal up through the point of birth. If you try to imagine that you are one of the women who are actually going to a clinic and you see these people on the other side praying and, yeah. and don't, wouldn't you feel uh, emotional by that? Or okay, like no, was? this is a great question because... Um, There have been many instances I have heard of personally of women who have changed their mind about abortion because of seeing protesters outside, peaceful protesters. Of course, if someone is screaming in your face, you're not going to change your mind, of course. Um, We on the pro-life side can't stop defending and fighting for the lives of the unborn because of unfortunate decisions that other women have made. We mourn for them. There is a whole um, organization. I don't know if it's Catholic, but it is an organization called Project Rachel for women who are injured by their abortions. I mean, not physically, emotionally. And, um, I mean, I think that that is, you know, worse than any nine months of carrying a child is the torment that you feel. And I would say that maybe a lot of these women were there yesterday because they do feel so guilty about what they've done. But do you think it's good that they feel ashamed and guilty? Oh, no, of course not. I do not think it's good that they feel ashamed. I feel for them. The same way anybody who makes a mistake, you do not want them to live in shame and guilt. I mean, I am a Christian, and I believe in mercy. So, um, no, I mean, I've done a lot of bad things in my life, but I also have the peace that I've been forgiven, you know, that, I mean, don't we all learn from our mistakes? So isn't that why we make mistakes, to learn from them? These women should not be vilified. So if they told you that they are feeling more guilt and shame because of you standing on the other side, what what do you think then? Oh, because I would, (laughs) I guess I would say, I mean, that like, that's on you. You know, if you're, I cannot stop um, fighting for something that I believe is the truth. So I interviewed uh, a lot of women and also uh, one abortion provider. She was a a midwife. She told me these stories about that she and her partners in the clinic are being harassed by extremists, pro-life extremists, uh, and that she actually are uh, under death uh, threats. uh, Yeah. So what are your thoughts and feelings about that? Yeah, I mean, any sort of... I mean. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense if you're if you're uh, fighting for the lives of unborn children. Why would you issue death threats to? I mean, that's just silly. But those are again, those are those, you know, those couple of stories that people like to get and run away with, and then they paint the whole life, whole pro life movement as oh, these people must be out to kill us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a you know a pro abortion advocate when i was at a clinic one time and we said let's bring the kids you know it's going to be a peaceful protest and this woman 
got in the face of my children and was screaming at them, you're a horrible person. Like to my 10-year-old, you're a horrible person. So, yes, do passions get inflamed? Um, yes. It doesn't make it right, you know? Yeah. And, and your family are also engaged in this uh, activism, pro-life activism. My, like... my children and my husband? I mean, probably not as much as I am. Um, I would say they're all very um, committed. They're all very committed to the pro-life movement. But they don't, um, I mean, they have here and there. And those who have come into adult adulthood have been to abortion clinics, for sure. Um, they go to the March for Life yearly those who are in town or, or who have local um but i mean i do more like i do more with a you know like a, a group that um provides uh material assistance to women un, unwed moms and their new babies so we provide diapers and formula and so i'm involved with that something that i am proud of is that all of my kids are pro-life and they haven't um turn their turn their back or I guess they haven't swallowed what I think is a lot of the um, you know the cultural push for abortion on demand that you know maybe it's because from the time they were little I feel like we were presenting it to them as this is a child maybe if they had grown up in the um, woman's right to choose this is my body um, then they they might be looking at me saying you know you're crazy mom but I think they've always seen um, the unborn child as a unique life that should be protected. Att embryot i magen är ett barn som dödas via bort är kärnan i abortmotståndarnas tankevärld. Och därför menar Mary och de andra att en kvinna som blir oönskat gravid istället bör föda och sen adoptera bort barnet. Being, I guess, being a mom, maybe, has formed my views about abortion. How many children do you have? I have a bunch. <laughs> I have six. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. So, um, and I've had three miscarriages. I've never had an abortion. Um, and and if a woman has a child, I do not believe, in terms of like the whole pro-abortion movement. That any woman, like we all claim to be very pro-women. We're all pro-women. We want women to have our body, our rights. And um, But who would encourage a woman to kill her child? That's what I don't get, is if you really cared about the woman and her psychological well-being, there would be, you know, there would be other options. We would live in a society where, like, oh, okay, you have an unplanned pregnancy. Let's take care of you. Let's not say, oh, just get an abortion. Because because why? I mean, we live in a culture now where women get pregnant out of wedlock all the time. There's no more shame in it. So let's embrace this child that has been created. I hope we're at the point where everybody sort of agrees this is a child, you know, no matter how big the body parts are. Um, i mean, even in first trimester abortions, when they're finished, they take the remains to a room and they have to reassemble them to make sure they got all the pieces. It's called, it's funny because there's a, well, it's not funny. Um, there is a room called POC, Products of Conception. 
They can't, you know, they're body parts. To me, that's horrifying. And I don't think that there's enough um, truth in reporting about what abortion actually is. I'm sure you heard about um, when the pro-life activist David Daleiden had, um, he was kind of going undercover, I think, to um, show that Planned Parenthood was selling aborted fetuses' body parts. And, um, you know, the video was just so jarring, you know, this woman sitting at lunch and drinking her wine and eating her salad, talking about how much money can be um, obtained from selling a head or a liver of, a, of an aborted fetus. And you think, oh my goodness, these people are getting rich over women in crisis pregnancies. I just don't think that we should live in a society like that. Mary är från början utbildad arkitekt men gav upp sin karriär och blev hemmafru när hon födde sitt första barn 1991. Och innan dess var även hon för laglig och säker abort. I mean, I remember when I first got married um, seeing a magazine ad. Super effective. And it was, you know, picture of this despondent looking nurse in some dark, dreary place and... Um, basically saying if abortion is illegal it's going to force it back into the back alley and I said this is why abortion needs to be legal because it's going to send it into the back alley don't, don't you believe that's the case anymore? I do not especially when you hear about especially Maria when you hear about the lack of restrictions in abortion clinics so so yeah there I was when I got married you know totally this has to be legal or else it will go into the back alley And then, little by little, you know, started peeling back the onion and started seeing, like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. And then listening to, honestly, Maria, a lot of the euphemisms, the whole thing about it's my body, um, I can't be expected to raise a child. No one's asking you to raise a child. It's the whole nine months thing. You can give this child away. Um, Then, you know, I'm sorry, but the silliness of the rape and incest argument. Does rape exist? Does incest exist? Of course it does. But the amount of times that there is an unwanted pregnancy from those two instances is, I think, under 0.1% I've heard or whatever it is. It's mostly that abortion is now used for birth control. So just to be to clarify, uh, so if a woman or a girl, I mean, yeah. you had that right. case the with a 10-year-old, yeah, yes, I know. Uh, for example, you don't think it would be like terrifying and, and really shocking to to be forced to be pregnant for nine months with something ten, that you... You're right. I mean, not you're right. I, I think that I see where you're coming from, but that situation is so rare. If I had a 10-year-old daughter who was raped, I would not say have an abortion. I would say, you know, this horrible thing has happened to you, but we're going to do the right thing. And you will, you know, um, you will bring this baby to term and you will deliver this baby and this baby will be given up for adoption. Someone will love this baby. The 10-year-old thing, I mean, I really feel for that. There is, there are bad things everywhere you go. I don't think that adding abortion to it is, is the solution. Um, But you know, it's really dangerous for a 10-year-old to be pregnant. For It's, you know, your body isn't uh, fit for it. Well, Maybe, but um, the 10-year-old has to have been already menstruating to get pregnant. So, you know, 
that 10-year-old's body thinks that 10-year-old is a woman. So I don't know if, um, I don't think it would kill the girl. Fallet vi pratar om väckte stor uppmärksamhet i somras då det kom fram att en våldtagen tioåring i Ohio nekats abort eftersom hon precis passerat vecka sex i graviditeten. Hon tvingades stå att åka till en annan delstat för att få genomgå en abort. And also I will say if a doctor determined that that pregnancy was going to jeopardize the life of the mother there is a there's a very fine distinction. There are women who have situations where carrying that baby will kill them. So in saving the woman's life, the baby dies. That's not an abortion. That is saving a woman's life. That is not the intentional killing of an unborn child. It's saving a woman's life. If this 10-year-old, if there's a medical doctor who says this child will die if she carries this baby to term, then um, that is acceptable, I guess, to whatever you have to do. Um, but it is not the taking of a life just for convenience, which is really what abortion is. It's just about convenience. You don't uh, think that it's about women's, uh, you know, possibility to make their own future, to have a future. I mean, your whole life is is changed if you are pregnant and go through it. Um, I guess I don't. I I don't believe that. I think that first of all, if you um, if you choose to carry that baby to term, you have grown so much, and you have made this amazing, hard decision to do the right thing and so you have actually grown as a woman as opposed to wanting to take the pill and just have it be done with because that is not reality there are very few problems where you can just take a pill and your problem goes away this is actually one of those situations where you can have a pill like very early and then it's nothing it's just like having your period a little bit late it's not read the chapter in the book it's it's pretty awful. I I mean I really I would love for you to get back to me after you read this chapter. It's like a horror movie. Boken Mary pratar om heter The Walls Are Talking och är skriven av Abby Johnson som gick från att vara chef för en planned parenthood klinik till att bli en välkänd abortmotståndare efter att hon som hon beskriver det sett fostret röra sig under ett ultraljud. Här berättar hon själv om händelsen som fick henne att ändra sig. Yes, so what exactly happened? What did you see that made you leave? I mean, you were clinic director, you were employee of the year of Planned Parenthood. So what made you take this huge step? Well, I I uh, was in the room and I saw this 13-week-old baby fighting and struggling for his life uh, against the abortion instruments. And... I knew then that there was life in the womb, there was humanity in the womb, and I knew that if those two things were true, then I knew that I was on the wrong side of this debate. And so I ended up leaving and joining the pro-life movement. And ever since then, I've just been doing really everything I can to help people understand how terrible abortion is how barbaric abortion is Hennes bok Unplanned blev också en Hollywood film med samma namn I saw it and it was like it was twisting and fighting for its life 
we commend the souls of these hundreds of children. And Lord, we pray to end abortion. I really appreciate what you've done for us. I'll not forget it. 22,000 abortions. How do I even comprehend that? When I went to Women's March, a lot of women told me that they were really furious about that their bodily autonomy has been, uh, you know, banned. Yeah. And they, they say, this is, you know, that this makes us second-class citizens. Mm. We can't even talk about democracy anymore. What do you think about that? <laughs> I just think that's a lot of rhetoric. You know, I mean, you can say all of that. I mean... People, politicians, you know, pro-abortion advocates, they love to throw the heavy words. And and it's it can be disarming. For example, you know, I don't know if you have children, but when you have children... I have three. Oh, yay! Um, I remember I would say to them, um, whatever, can you take out the trash? Or, and they would say, why are you yelling at me? And I would say, I'm not yelling at you! But it was very effective as a tactic. So when I say, you know, to a pregnant woman, I think you should consider, you know, bringing this child to term, and they say to me, you're anti-woman, <laughs> you know, it's disarming. When you are called a name, it is a very effective tactic. You know, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a homophobe, whatever name you want to call somebody, it disarms them, and it's very effective. Nice. Maria, I think they've swallowed a lot of what they hear on CNN. I mean, I'm sorry, but like all of those talking points are just so scripted and so repetitive. And um, again, it's just propaganda and euphemisms. And, you know, it's my body, my choice, you know, pro-woman, pro-child, pro-choice. Men kvinnor har i alla tider och alla samhällen behövt aborter och miljoner kvinnor har dött och dör fortfarande i konsekvenserna efter osäkra aborter. Är det då inte bättre att aborter är lagliga och säkra? Frågar jag Mary som ju säger sig vara pro-woman. That was the old me, you know? Yes, yeah, safe and legal. But now I understand that this is a human being and that carrying that child to term is not going to kill you. When you talk about all these um, uh, unsafe abortions in third world countries, I... Even here. Okay. And um, that, you know, that's not to say that. um, I mean, it's kind of like saying, well, you know, there are situations where people, you know, really, they just pulled the trigger and somebody died. You know, I mean, I I just don't think we're ever going to get to the point where we say, like, yes, this murder is okay. Um, I think that we have to embrace human life, you know, from conception until natural death. So, no, I guess I would say in all of those situations, the 10-year-old, the impoverished, the um, third-world person, bring that baby to birth and there will be someone who will care for it. Intressant nog är många av de konservativa bortmotståndarna också emot sexualundervisning i skolorna. I USA är det vanligt att föräldrarna själva får bestämma om deras barn ska delta eller inte, eftersom sexualundervisningen sällan är ett obligatoriskt ämne. Paradoxalt kan man tycka, eftersom det annars skulle kunna vara ett sätt att minska antalet oönskade graviditeter, särskilt bland tonåringar. Men Mary håller inte med. 
Hon skulle inte vilja att någon med andra värderingar pratade om sex och samlevnad med hennes barn. Uh, sexual education? Um, I mean, I don't know. I think that there are probably a lot of people who believe that sexual education is something that should be imparted in the home. And when they send their kids to school, they want their kids to be taught math and science and, you know. Um, and they really don't want someone who's of a different value system teaching their kids about sex education. I think that that's, that might be what they're saying. Um, so what are your thoughts about sex education in school? I mean, I guess I feel like I would not want anybody talking to my children about sex education because I want to impart my values to my kids. Um, I don't mind that, yeah, someone else is teaching my kids math and science, but when it comes to something that, in my opinion, has moral value, I don't want anybody else talking about it. I would say in a school setting, let it be, you know, the benign subjects of math and science. Um, so yeah, personally, I I would not want to send my child to a school where um, they're going to be taught to I don't know whatever how how to get pregnant how to prevent to be unwanted pregnant. Okay, so oh oh my goodness, yeah. I mean, I remember hearing some story about Mother Teresa in India that had like the better success rate of preventing pregnancy through natural family planning, through NFP, through understanding the women's natural cycles mm-hmm. um, is, you know, even more effective than the pill. And um, so, yeah, I'm all for that. Um, so um, but I don't know if it should come at age 10 in a public school or um, or in a private school or in a religious school. I think that that is um Maybe there are um, government organizations that want to go into, you know, rural areas in India and do that. But um, I guess I really feel like parents are the ones who should be teaching that. Do they? No. no. That's I know. I mean, I remember being at a soccer game one time and this mom turning to me and saying, like, personally, I'm really glad that they talk about sex ed in the school because I do not want to. And I sort of feel like, aren't you abdicating your your parenthood to somebody else? Isn't this kind of, don't you want to be the one that, that guides how your child, I mean, if you want your child to start to be sexually active at age 10, then that should be, you know, and you want to teach that to your child, um, I think it's up to you. <laughs> yeah. So- And I mean, I don't know if anything I said, you know, it's not going to change your mind. But I just think that if we could just keep having dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, me too. Know. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Det har hunnit bli eftermiddag och solen har försvunnit bakom de lyxiga villorna som omger parken där vi sitter och luften börjar bli kylig. But thank you so thank you thank, thank you, you so thank much you. for yes. taking your time. All right, thank you. Thank Have you. a great time. When do you head back? Tomorrow. Oh. Jag lämnar Mary och alla de andra jag pratat med under min resa. Samantha och aktivisterna på New Yorks gator. Kvinnorna som reste över hela USA för att kunna delta i Women's March. Morgan som öppnat en ny abortklinik. Garnet som driver sin podd. Jante och Giselle på organisationerna Planned Parenthood och FOSS Feminista. Alla de som på olika sätt är engagerade i den intensiva abortkamp som pågår just nu i USA. 
När det här programmet sänds har det precis varit mellanårsval i USA. Och precis som många förutspådde så står det nu klart att abortfrågan var en av de viktigaste valfrågorna för väljarna. Något som spelade en stor roll för att demokraterna gjorde ett betydligt mer framgångsrikt val än väntat. Men abortkampen är långt ifrån över och under tiden saknar alltså en tredjedel av alla amerikanska kvinnor i förtil ålder tillgång till laglig och säker abort i sina delstater. Det innebär att miljoner amerikanska kvinnor numera saknar kroppsligt självbestämmande och framförallt riskerar sitt liv och hälsa för en lång tid framöver. Ni har lyssnat på Body Rights, en podd från RFSU av och med mig Maria Sveland. Det här var den sista delen i en serie om abortkampen i USA. Alla avsnitt hittar du överallt där poddar finns.